dude, I bet you I can hit that house over there with this egg. Well, what the hell are you going to bet me? Oh, I've got a pack of bottle caps here with your name on it, brother. What do I want a pack of bottle caps for? It's like the worst candy ever. Come on, man. Well, since I'm fairly certain you can't hit that house from here, I... Dude, I, I, I seriously, I've been warming up all year for this night. I want to hit Old Man Thorne's house tonight. How about that king-size Kit Kat bar? I'm, I'm going to say no. What was that? I don't know. You said you heard something, so you tell me. From, I think it came from that bush over there, dude. So why are we talking about it? You should go check it out. Bullshit. You heard Come it. On, you man. check it out. You're the one that's so excited about this noise all of a sudden. Like, we're just having a good night. We're talking about Kit Kat eggs. I did not hear it first. You heard it first. We heard it at the same time. I'm not going to go by myself, so. Why don't we just go together then? Ah! Ah! What the crap, dude? Holy crap. You should have seen your dork's faces. Chris, are you crying? No, I think a piece of the bush just flew in my eye. <laughs> oh, man, they got you so good, Chris. I mean, I knew the whole time, but I was so I wasn't scared at all. Yeah, and that's why you also screamed. Bro, I, that's all part of the act. It's all part of the act. So, Kryle. What? Huh? Who's going to chicken out when we TP Old Man Thorne's place? We ain't scared. Oh, really? You ain't scared of Old Man Thorne? I mean, like, what's there to even be afraid of? It's just an old story that scares little kids and keeps people away from his house. I lost a frisbee in his yard. Well, you should be scared, tough guys. Mike's brother John also thought it was just a neighborhood legend. And you know what happened to him, don't you? What happened? Well, nobody really knows. See, Mike claims he saw John approach Old Man Thorne on that very porch last Halloween. Five minutes went by, John didn't move a muscle. Yeah, he just stood there, frozen, like he was stuck in some sort of trance. Ten minutes goes by, still no movement. Fifteen minutes, nothing. A full thirty minutes pass, and John's still there, motionless, frozen like some goddamn gargoyle, right there on the very front porch. And the whole time I'm thinking, man, this old kook's really laying into him. Maybe I should do something. And then suddenly, in a blink of an eye, old man Thornton, gone! Well, then what happened? John was just there, staring at nothing. Still frozen, no movement. I had to wheel him home on a dolly. That's not scary. Why don't you tell that to my brother? Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's, o it's okay, Mike. They don't get it. See, whatever old man Thorn said to John on that porch last Halloween scared him so bad. Well, guys, he's got a drool cup now. He can no longer eat solid foods. He can't eat solid foods! So why are we teeping this warlock's house again? For revenge, Chris. We need to show this hermit that he can't mess with my brother or anyone else in this neighborhood. We're taking Halloween back. Yeah, you just can't go around scaring the drool out of people, making them all gross forever and shit. Dude. Oh, man, I'm, I'm sorry. Hello, boys. <laughs> Happy Halloween. It's awfully late to still be out on such a mysterious night. Don't you think? Perhaps you're up to some Halloween antics, are we? Uh, no, no, sir. Uh, we were we were just heading home, actually. Yeah, I mean, like, we were just these guys, these guys, and they wanted to teepee the houses and stuff, and we were telling them that was a bad idea. That would, you know, that would be a bad idea. So, uh, you know, we're just doing our good All Hallows' Eve deeds, you know? Uh, there we were, gonna go straight home and brush our teeth, and we're gonna go read our Bibles, and we're just gonna be off now. Well, I think that's a very wise decision, gentlemen. 
After all, you never know what kind of creatures might be lurking in the shadows on an evening like tonight. Yeah, like like we were saying, it's it's late. We better get going. Right, guys? <laughs> Thanks for the tip, mister. You know, it happened on a night just like this, boys. Okay, okay uh, I'm, I'm leaving. The Haddonfield matters. There was only one survivor, you know. Well, two survivors, I suppose. A babysitter, all grown up. Her name was Laurie Strode. And a boogeyman who hunted her. Michael was his name. Michael Myers! Your Hollywood system stole our sex and co-opted our violence, so there's nothing left for our kinds of movies. Oh, hi, Mark. (laughs) Where in the hell are we? If I want your opinion, I'll beat it out of you. This whole thing has turned into a theatrical mockery. You understand that, Mike? Stop eating my sesame cake! I'm so sure. Just look like you like me, and let's fan talk. No. Wolfman's got nard! You know, that's just like, uh, your opinion, man. What did I say? No jelly roll. I get old, they stay the same age. You can't piss on hospitality! I won't allow it! Hey, guy, motherfucker. Tonight! First thing I want to do is I want to say thank you from all of us for joining the cult. We really do appreciate it, and we hope that you and your family are safe wherever you may be in the world during these crazy, crazy times. We thought we would get together just to do another Halloween episode because the world sucks and we wanted to have some fun during the Halloween time when you might not be having so much fun. Uh, So we're coming back to do Halloween 2018. Uh, do us a favor, though, if you like, leave us a review on iTunes. They're always uh, fun to read still, so we really do <laughs> appreciate you leaving those. Uh, and uh, they're still fun to read. So, uh, as always, though, I am joined by Kyle Smith. Hey, how's it going? Chris Wollenbrecht. Hey, what's up? And Michael Salusio. Hello, everyone. Tonight we are talking about Halloween 2018. It was directed by David Gordon Green, who also directed Pineapple Express and Your Highness. It was written by Jeff Fradley, David Gordon Green, and Danny McBride. It came out in 2018, had a budget of 10 to $15 million, and made a whopping $255 million in the box office. It has a rating of R and currently sits at 79% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 70% audience score. We all kind of saw this movie together. Does anybody want to tell that story or should I? There's not much of a story to it, right? (laughs) It's just that it came out. I think I I did see it once before, and then I remember going to see it with you guys as well after that. So twice I saw it in the theater. So you saw it when you saw it with us, it was the second time? Yeah, it was the second time. time. No, No, it was the second time. I I remember he he went ahead ahead, ahead of us, and that was uh, quite the controversy. I'll give a little. I'll, I'll, I'll give a little bit of backstory on it. Then maybe this will help rejog some of your memories from my point because I, I I didn't remember Chris had saw it before us. I remember it was coming out, and uh, I was getting real excited because I was like, "Oh, cool! We can do a current movie." Then it will play into the theme of our show, Cult Films. Right? We can do this. Uh, we should all go see this movie so that we can do like a special episode or an episode just on this movie. Like, and I think like generally we were all pretty excited just to see it because it was a new Halloween movie 
that was coming out. Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, of course. So I don't know, like, remember exactly how you guys felt at the time, and I'll ask this, but were you excited at the time, Chris? Like, when did you remember, like, after you saw the trailer around to that, that time, like, oh, a new Halloween film's coming out, and it looks like they may not have fucked this one up, so I, I'm going to go see it? Or were you kind of like, no, I still don't trust it? Well, I rem- but here's the thing. When I saw Halloween 2018, or when I was gearing up to see it, uh, like to preface, I Halloween is actually my favorite slasher series, I would say. I just went through all the Nightmare on Elm Streets recently. I've definitely revisited many of like the Friday the 13th. And I always come back to Halloween being my favorite of what I would say, the 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 three, you know. And so, of course, I was excited for like to see a new one coming out. But, you know, it was like I was already kind of tainted by like the Rob Zombie version. So and I didn't like that so much. So going into this, I was like, oh, OK, maybe they're going to go back to, you know, uh, more traditional like John Carpenter style Halloween. Um, so I, I was kind of excited going into it, but I feel like I had already been let down once or twice before. <clears throat> so it was uh, it was a cautious optimism. Yeah, I remember I remember specifically that I was excited because John Carpenter was like tied to do the soundtrack to it. So I was like, OK, that's going to be cool. But I, I distinctly remember I like avoided watching uh, really trailers or clips leading up to it because of exactly what Chris is saying. It's like I didn't want to taint my opinion before I saw it. Like I just wanted to go into it completely fresh and just see what I get. What about it, you, Mike? You guys are t- totally different than I am. I, like <clears throat> for me, of all the slashers, I think I was least familiar with the Halloween I mean, I had seen one, I had seen two, I had seen H2O at the time, and I think that was it for me. Um, it was never my favorite of them, and I think going into it, I didn't have a high... I mean, look, I, I love the original, it's great, but I, I don't think I was emotionally invested in it like you guys were, like, oh my god, this could crush the whole house of cards for me. Um, so I kind of went into it just optimism, quite honestly. I, I, you know, I saw the director and I saw the people attached, and I just immediately assumed, hey, this is going to be an amazing film. Uh, so yeah, I was pretty excited. So I, I remember being excited, but also like cautious because, like, how many what we the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot we were pretty much burned by. Friday the Thirteenth um, one wasn't that yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, we were kind of burned by that as well. But then it was like they picked up the idea of like reboot sequels, like Jurassic Park had. I think maybe it started doing it before, and then they applied it to this. So I was a little like more okay with it. But it was still, like, leery but excited. And then, um, you know, as we all went and saw it in theaters, we all came out of it and we said, holy fuck, that movie sucked. Um, And I think that's why we didn't do an episode on it. And now that we've had some time, and time has passed, and uh, I've gone back and watched some, obviously all of us have, um... I'm interested to see if opinions are still the same from when we left that theater. Because from what I remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, not a single one of us liked it. Yeah, I don't. I don't. don't, Go on. I was just gonna say, yeah, I don't really remember being like. uh, I I wasn't very. I wasn't super stoked on it. Like it was kind of a. Man, it's another entry in the Halloween sequel saga for me. Gotcha. I don't remember hating it. 
<clears throat> but I, I definitely felt like unimpressed, right? Like I, for me, it was it was definitely on the level of like an H two O for me. Like I was just like, okay, like not horrible, but definitely like it wasn't like you know, re, you know, like Curse or Revenge of Michael Myers or anything like that or the good ones, the good ones. You know, the other ones that we reviewed. Um, no, but like. Uh, I, I just felt like it was lackluster. That was it. Like, I didn't hate it. Yeah, I I remember seeing it the first time. And, like, I feel like my face hurt after I watched it for the first time because I was, like, crunching it up so much from, like, what I felt were very cringy moments in this movie. And I remember being – this is why I remember seeing it for a second time with you guys because I had to go see it again to know if I really felt that way or if it was just my first impression. And, uh, and I remember walking out with you guys and see after seeing it a second time, probably within the same week and still coming away with like a stink face. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, it will be interesting to talk about it because this is my third time having seen the film. So, your face looked yeah, I think, okay, though. Like, it looked okay this time. So yeah, maybe it, it wasn't as bad. <laughs> it didn't stick that well, way. Well, Mike, you can't see the pain he's feeling. It's deep inside, deep, deep in his heart. <laughs> yeah, I no, can't believe I've never had that feeling, it. Chris, of, of, like, walking out of moving and, and, like, I've 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 laughed so hard that my face hurts. I don't think I've ever cringed <laughs> to the point. <laughs> Physical but, pain. Like I'm the portrait so, of Dorian Gray and I'm just like shriveling <laughs> watching an yeah. entire film. Like you need to take a two Advil after you like get done with the movie. This you is just the first feel, for me. I feel bad. You for exerted you. so much energy like holding that weird face where you're just trying to figure it out as you go along. You're like in your, you know, and that was probably, well, we can get into it, but, um, you know, it says something for fandom, you know, and, and, uh, maybe that was the point of this movie in some way. Well, I mean, oh, there's, there's a, uh, that's one of the the things I want to talk about is kind of like, and I think it plays into the theme of this movie is, is legacy. Um, and, and, and what that means to certain people and, and certain generations. And I actually think the movie hits on this quite perfectly. Um, so before we do talk about, uh, Halloween 2018, though, we should, we should probably figure out what this movie is about. And I feel like we used to have a way to do this and I just can't, you know what I do. I remember now it's time for Plaza Mike. Well, I am very happy to be back guys. Uh, Halloween 2018. It doesn't really have like a cool subtitle to tell us whether or not it's the original or not. But uh, this movie takes place uh, decades after the first, right? Uh, it's like a di- almost a direct sequel of that of the first film by John Carpenter. Uh, Laurie Strode is now a much older woman. She is not only a mother, but she is a grandmother at this point, and she is at this point in her life very, very Sarah Connored out. Like she is uh, training. For the day that Michael Myers may return, um, she's almost completely paranoid, and it's kind of hurt her family up a little bit. Um, meanwhile, two young journalists are very, very curious about what happened to Michael Myers, and we find out that he is right back in the old insane asylum, and uh, he is um, kind of like, it's a very strange asylum. Uh, I don't know that it's up to code, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) 
They just strap people with chains. And uh, anyway, these reporters show up, and they decide it's a good idea to show him his 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 uh, iconic mask, which um, doesn't end well. He escapes, uh, and he goes back on a murderous killing spree. And Lori decides, "Hey, I gotta I gotta stop the return of Michael Myers." And uh, unfortunately, her family gets caught up in play. So uh, all kinds of shenanigans ensue, and um, I can't wait to see how it ends. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, let's do this. Let's take a break, and we come back. We'll talk more about Halloween 2018. Our patients get fresh air, sunshine, a view, proper exercise, healthy diet, it pains me to see him transfer to that less than desirable facility. And there he is. He can't speak. He just chooses not to. I'd love to stand closer to him, if I may. Get a sense of his awareness or lack of awareness. Oh, make no mistake, he's aware. He was watching you as you arrived. Perhaps you'd like to tie your left shoelace? Mr. Tavoli here. The gentleman with the umbrella has a fixation for such things. Underestimate no one. Yes. Okay, now step up to the yellow line. And no further. Do not cross the line under any circumstances. And we're back on a very special, very spooky Halloween edition of Cult Film and Review, talking about Halloween 2018. All right, guys. So uh, Mike brought it up in his plots with Mike, and I wanted to get into it. And it is the very first scene, um, and it's a it's a subplot that's in this movie uh, that we start off with that uh, I wanted to discuss because um, I hate this scene. What scene is it? The, <laughs> the, the, the starting opening scene. scene. Yeah. Okay. The opening scene. Here's the reason I hate this scene. This, and, and, for people and, who haven't seen the movie yet, this opening scene is at the uh, insane, insane the asylum. asylum. Mike just went over it. So, they uh, it's these two podcasters. They they show up to the uh, insane asylum and they're doing a story on Michael Myers, a true crime story, which you know very believable, very current to the times, and uh, and that I'm okay with. Um, what I don't get really is Zartan, Dr. Zartan. Um, Zartan. It, Zartan, Zartan. Yeah. Is, Zartan is the guy that gave, uh, that made Tom Hanks a grown up and big. Uh, <laughs> 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 but, uh, like, every one of these, I guess my biggest problem with this scene is, that, well, it's what is it, what are they insinuating and is it necessary? Because I don't think any of it's necessary. I don't think mm. the characters are necessary. Not any of them. Yes. Those, those three characters. Yes. And the and the and the scene's not necessary, right? Dude. So they 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 walk out onto this beautifully shot, checkered boarded <laughs> fucking. We, why is it checkered boarded to show you? You know where I guess the inmates can walk to. I mean, um, it, looks like, it looks like a Tom Petty video. <laughs> it does, but it's it, it's really beautifully shot. Like the cinematography for it is awesome, and the the Aaron, who's the the male podcaster, you know, walks up to the line that he can with um, with Michael, and they hint at seeing Michael's face, but you don't really get to see it. 
um, and he holds up the mask to try to get some sort of reaction out of Michael. And also, uh, as a podcaster, he had the pool th- that uh, to get the mask from the DA's office, which, <laughs> sure, sure. Um, Zartan's only there to see if they can get a rise out of him, because for 40 years, which we'll find out a little bit more later, too, uh, I keep on calling him Zartan. Sorry. Fucking A. Zartan. I, think, uh, I, think you're, I think you're stuck on Zoltar, Zoltar machine. Zoltar, Zoltar yeah. yeah. He's stuck on the Zoltar joke. Uh, I'm just going to call him New Loomis. New Loomis uh, <laughs> is just so obsessed with it, which we'll find out a little bit later. It gets hearing him speak and seeing him in action that he's just seeing if he can get a rise out of uh, out of Michael. What I don't get, which I don't feel fits with the whole theme of the music or the music, the movie, is that when he pulls out the mask, they insinuate by everybody else that's on that. Uh, uh, that courtyard catching sun rays, um, being crazy. They all react to the mask and he does not which gives you the impression that the mask has some sort of supernatural power. Yeah. Well, I, I want to say real quick before we dig it, diving that, it's just about this, about this subplot. I agree with you. I, I don't know if this is where you're going with it, but I feel like this subplot is unnecessary. Like with the podcasters in here, it's completely, yeah, it feels to me, and we'll get into this, I think, a little bit more down the road, but th- it does feel to me that there was a lot, uh, there was definitely a conscious effort to maintain fandom with with when they were writing this film. So it it feels like they pulled elements from all the previous Halloweens and then just kind of combined them into this film. Like you have like like the podcaster, I feel like, is kind of the more like modern idea, which is kind of reminiscent of like Resurrection, where it's like a, a, a webcam series type of a thing. And um, it just there the, the the whole subplot is just a MacGuffin to get Michael his mask back, essentially. One hundred percent. Yeah, it, it it really is, and like so they they do that, and again, like for this sequel, what I thought was interesting when I was reading reviews from like Danny McBride and all the and, and, and David Gordon Green, like they were very much trying to stay away from the supernatural element of the other sequels and timelines because there's about five different fucking timelines with Halloween. Um, they try to stay away from it as much as possible and just focus on like the human element as much as like the first one did. And I just feel like you're kind of you're kind of like saying opposite when you pull out the mask and everybody else goes crazy. Yeah, no, they're definitely insinuating that it has a power and 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 other, you know, but the question is, why isn't Michael reacting, you know, and that's like, I don't know if they really know what they're trying to say there. It just would be a cool well, thing to happen. I mean, he <laughs> does react. He he just tilts his head like a quarter of an inch to the left. And okay. that's probably like the most reaction that. You know, that dog is probably get. ever seen, you know, I guess I even from the first one, I would, you know, if this guy's getting shot off balconies and getting up and being fine, like I can attribute that to maybe a supernatural element I mean, in like even in the original. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Even if we ignore all the other ones, like he lives through getting his eye shot right or stabbed or whatever the well, hell stabbed, happened yeah. stabbed that doesn't stabbed. exist in this in this movie, though. See, no, yeah. He has the scar on oh, his that's eye. That's right. That's see. right. The crochet yeah. needle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, so, I see. I might be the only person that didn't really mind this scene all that much. Um, 
I understand there was a lot of fan service they were given, right? Like, they wanted you to see at least the side of his face so that you had mm-hmm. an idea of, like, okay, if this was taking place after two, he'd be a burnt husk walking around. So you know that that's not the timeline, right? But you do know <laughs> that he got stabbed in the eye. So you know that at least that, like, okay, this is a continuation of the old one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, to me, I feel like the Halloween series has always been a little, like, on the super, not so much supernatural, just, like, it's always been on, he's a tank. He's just like Jason, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. I think you have to explain a way why the hell he's so goddamn unstoppable, and I don't think he's reacting in that scene at all. I think he stays the stoic killer he always is. Um, I think it would have been very weird if he's like, what about this, Michael? And he turned around, and he's like, who? But again, like, I if he think, did that, that would be very strange to me. I think there's reasons for that that we'll get into again later on because of what, uh, you know, of uh, New Loomis and yes. uh, and my, my theory behind him because he's not so well explained either. He is, but he isn't. Um, I guess like the, my biggest thing with this movie is going to be the writing. Uh, some of it I think is very good, and then some of it I think is just like could have been done better. I, I guess like mm-hmm. like this scene because the next thing they do, what happens is they go to Lori's, you know, fucking fortified cottage out in the middle of nowhere, um, where you know you get the impression that she is definitely now Sarah Connor. She is waiting for the T fucking two hundred, one thousand. All of them to come through her door. <laughs> one through one through eight hundred and one thousand. The upgrade. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, you and you and you can and you can tell that. And the podcasters show up. And again, another yeah. another favorite part of this is when the podcasters show up for the interview. They drop that they have three grand for the interview. We did a podcast for about four years. <laughs> No, we were lucky. Years. I, th- I think <laughs> I think we made. Years. I think we made three dollars. Three dollars? Yeah. No, <laughs> no it's probably something closer to like I, I I would guess the neighborhood of about eighty two bucks. Eighty two dollars because we sold tickets the- for one of the shows for giveaways and our 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 pen our petten our petens of money we get from Redbubble. So. Yeah, but you gotta, you even gotta go like if you were to look at the expense just to run this thing, like it's still negative. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Can absolutely. I ask like, a question though before you like get further into this? Yeah, did yeah, a, did anybody find these two characters likable whatsoever? No, at all. I, I don't think they're um, supposed to be. Well, I would say honestly, I felt the if out of the two of them, the girl was a little more likable. She seemed a little more like believable. And the guy just seemed like a quintessential. So dick. that's why I just had so many problems leading up to this point, like with those characters is because like the guy comes in and you can see the way he's acting, the way he's screaming at Michael. Say something. Yeah. That was, you're like, who would let this guy in to do this? Yeah, this that, doesn't make so any sense. That part was okay. ridiculous, too. Let I was me, like laughing let, at that. I was I was going to talk about it a little bit later, but I'll talk about it now. And hopefully this will clear it up for you, Chris, and, and help you out. <laughs> uh, I think both I think both of them are assholes. I think Aaron's the asshole. That's the, the male and, and Dana's the, the female. Uh, she's not you don't think she's an asshole just quite as much until uh, they're doing the interview with Lori, which we were about to talk about. And she mm-hmm. brings up the kids. Right, right. She's the one who pres- presses that and she becomes an asshole. Yes. Um. So here's my theory, right? 
so the whole mastermind behind everything that happens in this movie is New Loomis. Um, why else would he let the podcasters in there to do that? Well, he needed the mask. If right. they have the mask, can I get the stir out of it? Because he needs it. He, his whole goal is to see the shark mm. in motion and kill. Because for 40 years, he's been studying Michael after Loomis, and he hasn't seen shit. And he's obsessed, which is a fucking stupid and old, like, lame excuse that has been brought up of, like, I want to, I, I just want to feel what the killer feels. Yeah. That whole shit. Yeah. Which I, he would have had to kill somebody for the bus to flip over anyways, because, Chris, they're moving Michael on Halloween night. Who thought that was a good idea? The well, only one who could have scheduled the, that the, is the Loomis. The thing, He's the mastermind. Yeah. I mean, and the thing, the point, the thing about that. Cody is is the movie I don't feel like did a great enough job of no villainizing uh, the the doctor and making him feel more like the mastermind like this is kind of going back to what I'm saying where it feels like they had like four or five like cool concepts but none of them really long enough to really flush out a film so they kind of well, smashed some of them together they hit all that for the supposed big reveal of of him killing the cop at you know, killing the cop and then putting on Michael's mask and putting Michael in the back of the car towards yeah, the end of but the it movie to bring him to Lori's house. Uh, oh wait, hold it on. Did, it, <laughs> yeah, I gotta cut in. I don't want to feel like okay. So I don't necessarily like this character either at all before, but I do have to defend something. I did not see it this way at all. Okay, the way I I gathered Sartain's uh, motivations was that he wanted to he wanted to get Michael to have his breakthrough. Right. Like like any psychiatrist who is going to make a name on something. I think he wanted to hear him speak and he makes a mention to say, I want to hear him say something for fuck's sake. Right. I definitely think, yes, he calls up the podcasters and he has them because they got the mask. And if uh, why they can get the mask and he can't, I have no idea. But they definitely <laughs> go. In, and I think he definitely wants to see Mike do something when he doesn't do anything. I think that bothers him. Right. But and he goes back to his original plan A, which is if I let him out on Halloween, maybe I can get a stir out of him or something like that, or maybe I can do something. I don't know. I think his specific plan think, is to get him and Lori together. I but, think that yes. he drives him to fucking Lori's house. Uh, 100%. That's his specific plan. I don't. Ne- I don't want to. Gr- I don't want to th- say. I don't think it's so much like the shark in motion because really, quite honestly, he could. I think everyone in that facility knows that if any if Michael Myers gets out, he's going to start murdering motherfuckers but, left and right. Like Sartan sa- says those exact words that Michael is uh, like a shark. If he stops, basically, if he stops moving, he dies. Like he says those words in the right. Movie. I understand. I understand. I what I, I don't mean like I, I want to make sure. I don't think he. I don't know if he really wanted to see Michael necessarily kill anyone. I feel like he just. He didn't think the plan through far enough. I think he what? just right. wants to see the connection. And get Michael to have a break. No, I disagree. Disagree one hundred percent. Because what, then, what's the end game here? Like, if this because is not he for kills his... he kills the cop so he can feel what Mike. He tells the cop, "I want to know why he kills. I want to feel what he's. Fe- I want to know what he's feeling when he kills like, you someone." You think it's just sheer obsession? It has nothing to do with his career or being the nope. guy that can. I think it started out that way, and then it turned it turned into an obsession. I think him and listen. My theory is is that him and Michael are working together the whole time until Michael doesn't need him anymore. Uh, I don't think Michael don't ever know about works that. with anyone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> didn't I don't see think it, I don't think I, I didn't get I didn't get that that was like that's a the only pan, thing that plan makes... they had. No, I, I agree. Okay. I think so I think ultimately Tan, the, the, hold on. 
No, I, I was talking. Don't hold on me. You hold on. Because if Sartan, <laughs> no, because if, listen, you have the whole Halloween night thing happen with the bus. How does the bus flip over? Does Sartain put himself in that position where he knows the bus is going to flip over? That's like, what I'm trying to what... figure out. Like, did he, he do some to. sort of, like, he has Shawshank He had situation? to have killed, he, he would have had to have killed the bus driver to cause the situation for the bus to flip off the road. He Nothing does jump from behind sense. the seat, like, seemingly okay when that kid shoots him, so nothing, I guess. Nothing else makes sense. How else does the bus crash? Michael is locked up. And has no access to the driver. This is an incredibly bad plan because he's in the bus with crazy people. Yeah. And, and <laughs> so even if bad. he was just working with Michael, and let's say him and Michael had some sort of agreement, which I don't know how he would do that because he doesn't fucking speak, but you just you again, can't trust how does the other 12 how does, guys in the thing. How does Michael know that Lori's still out there? How does, and I'll, I'll give you another, like, how does Michael basically, he knows. Unless it's the supernatural power that we're talking about, that she has a fucking granddaughter. So we haven't even gotten into that side yeah. of the story. <laughs> no, but I, that's what I'm saying. Zartan, uh, uh, fuck, what's this goddamn fucking new Loomis? Zartan would have had to have told Michael all of this. I will say that his name is surprisingly similar to Sam Hain from Part Two, <laughs> and I and I thought they were doing some sort of weird bastardization callback. To that, Probably. so there might be something to the idea that they were trying to clue off that, like, okay, he might be part of like the supposed cult or whatever the occult aspect of Michael Myers thing. Yeah. But honestly, like, I again, I don't want to make it sound like I like this character because I don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think it's written no, badly. I th- well, I think I think I I think basically I I definitely agree. I think with Mike, where it's like. He had his own plan, and I think he understood too that if he created the situation and he and he had had the right the perfect mix of of opportunities there, that Michael would naturally do what Michael Myers does. He's going to he's gonna so per, perhaps Sartain did did cause the bus driver to crash, like he stabbed the bus driver, and that crash caused Michael to get free, and then Michael went through and killed killed the other guard just out of sheer natural instinct not necessarily like all right it's 12 o'clock p.m time to crash the bus and then you know michael breaks out you know i don't think it was that planned ahead it was that planned ahead because he said what he's setting the conditions to exactly what it was 40 years ago he said bus crashes halloween night bunch of crazy people walking around crash in the first movie it's the same fucking shot. Bus didn't crash the first movie. It didn't crash, but he got out. Like, and there was, I mean, yeah, that was one of the throwbacks. Obviously, was the crazy people walking around, you know. Mm-hmm. But that but wasn't no, in the first not, movie. It, no, for, it wasn't. For, for it to be on, he Halloween jumped in the night, car and stole the car in the first. Who moves one. Michael Myers on Halloween night? Who? The only person that could have planned that had to be of him. And that's part right. of his plan. We're not disagreeing he that he planned it. We're disagreeing so that, he colluded, with, then, then that then he colluded with better, Michael. Then give me a better theory than mine of how the bus crashed. I just agreed with your theory. I, I just said <laughs> I agreed with the fact that he, Sartain, did cause the bus accident. I disagreed that he had colluded with Michael Pryor and told Michael, I'm going to crash the bus so you can get out. I don't think he thought okay. that far ahead. I think he okay. thought if he created the situation, Michael would just do what Michael does. And then once he's out, I, he and then once out he's out, I, I have a little bit of a disagreement with that, and that's Michael's motivation. Um, but we can get into that as we go on. 
Michael doesn't have motive. He has one motivation, which is to kill okay. Lori. Set, bring it up now. Okay, I guess we're going to bring it up now. You would think that would be Michael's motivation. Uh, I would agree with you, except for one scene in this movie ruins that. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> dramatic, so, uh, dramatic pause. It's after, it's after Vicky's death. Uh, Vicky is a babysitter who is Allison, the granddaughter of Lori's uh, uh, good friend. Right. And uh, they do the whole sh- throwback with the sheet. Um, and Michael is, it's a very cool shot. Michael's standing in a window, uh, you think, and Lori pulls up to this neighborhood, gets out like a crazy fucking person. And they're just like, get out of here, get out of here. Sees Michael in the top window, shoots at him. After they make like eye contact, you definitely get the impression that Michael sees her as well. And you think to yourself, here it goes. We're getting the showdown. Michael and Lori, one-on-one. And Michael leaves, and he walks down the steps, and he gets shot at by the cop. And he sees Allison and goes after her and not Lori. He runs away from Lori. Makes no sense in the mythology whatsoever if Lori is his, is his motivation. That's my reason of thinking that he had outside information. He's going after her granddaughter. See, I think I, – I don't know about – I don't know, man. I think that um, – because Michael, Michael tends to do a thing when he gets injured, which is he vanishes for a little bit. He gets his hand blown off. He vanishes for a little bit. He gets shot. Lori shoots him at that moment in the shoulder. He vanishes for a bit. Like, I feel like that's in line with his character. Like, he's not – he's definitely – he's definitely not a, like – he, I feel like he's more, he's more tactical in his thought, in his thought process. He's going to bide his time until the right moment, but he's also going to enjoy Halloween and kill some motherfuckers in the process. But after that shoulder shot is when he's tracking like Allison and uh, uh, the kid who looks like Eric Stoltz from Mask. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like this is a common slasher trope that never gets explained. Like sometimes the killers. Like Jason doesn't always have to have a like a motivation for why he's in the area that every two kids are having sex in. Like, like he's just there. Like it adds to the story of it. I don't know that he. I don't know. I, I here's the thing. I don't. It know adds that to the Michael's, boogeyman aspect. Yeah, I don't everywhere. know that Michael's motivation in this film is so Lori centric as it has been in the previous sequels. I feel like. I think he does. It's Halloween night. I'm going to start murdering people. Hey, there's that one one that got away. I remember her. <laughs> well, there's a young girl in front of me. I got to kill her, too. Like, I, I, I don't think that he thinks so. Mu- I don't think he's necessarily such a hunter in that aspect. I think he bides his time. He enjoys his job. I mean, for fuck's sake, guys, like. He Michael, enjoys when, his job. When Mike, when Mike, he does. Listen, when Michael kills people. <laughs> Play like, of the month. It's true, though. Like, to take the, the cop that gets killed a little bit later, right? You find this cop, the father comes out, and he sees this cop, and his head is in his hands, and there, his head is carved out with a fucking flashlight in it, right? right. so cool, by yeah. the way. After, so cool. After Michael kills somebody, when does he have time for arts and crafts? Yeah. You know how long that <laughs> I thought the same take? thing. <laughs> like, so he clearly enjoys the act of murder. He relishes in this bloodlust. I don't well, think he's the type scene, of guy yeah. that just... 
Once I kill Lori, I'm done, I guess. No, I think he kills forever. Why would he like, go down the street just murdering randomly if he was only after Lori? Like, I just, you know, that's the thing is we have to completely wipe away everything we know about anything beyond Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween 1978. And like, I've I've caught us at, you know, a couple times throughout this, like, referring to things that only apply to the sequels. You know what I mean? And it's, it's so it's interesting that that's what why my brain is so fucked watching this movie in some ways is that I have to forget everything that I've learned, you know, to 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 see this as a direct sequel to the first one. And it's like it is. It, I didn't even think about it until you brought it up, but it is a great question. Like, is Glory? Tr- is he truly connected to her? They make it a goddamn point to tell you. Oh, that's just a rumor. She's not really. Yeah, you know, he's not really her brother. They just made that up, which was eye rolling, by the way. But like, yeah, it, it's, I mean, it's, they're, they're trying to wipe it away 100 percent. But for some reason, it's so hard to disconnect. I think I think I think that's a good point, because I mean, if we really take take the first film just and we just break down his actions like he fucking he like snapped he killed his fucking sister he happened to get out on the same night and like serial killers are very ritualistic people anyway they they tend to do things the same way over and over again and it's like oh it's halloween night and he's like replaying the events of what happened in 1978 and that includes just randomly targeting people that Uh, live on his that lived on his old neighborhood but now it's just he's in a new neighborhood Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this question: Was he randomly targeting people in 1978? Yes. Or was he? Or was he playing? Hold on. Or was he playing into the uh, tropes of the time and killing people who had sex? Well, there he really killed was, his sister. Well, it wasn't many tropes his sister, at the time. He killed his sister at yeah at the time. You're right. Uh, he killed his sister after she had sex, and then most of the teenagers that he killed ha- were having sex. Lori was the only one who wasn't. Right, but. He the only reason he ended up on that particular street was that was the house his house was on that street, so that's the only reason saying, he ended up there. So he, I think why he ended up a, killing people like I think sex is a motivation in the in the in the first one. I think that's a motivation for killing, and we it's a one that we don't see in this one. No, well, I think it's an old. It, I, to your point, I think it's, it's an old trope. I think it might have been yeah. the trope that he kind of. I wouldn't say started. It's not like this is the first slasher film of all time, but it's certainly one that revolutionized all slasher films going through the 80s. Um, That becomes a common theme, right? Like you always, if there's sex, there's going to be a killing like almost immediately. You're right. Right. This film doesn't really do that. And I kind of like that it doesn't because I think it's tired. It makes it feel more random as well. And I think that's the, you know, that's the thing that makes these kind of movies, uh, add a little more terror to them is like if there isn't a whole lot of motivation it's just you're just in the wrong fucking place at that particular moment in time see and, and i that, do go on sorry go ahead no, no, no go ahead so to kyle's point too i think that that we've talked about this on the show before right like the idea that sometimes you don't need to explain the motivations of a killer because that might make them more fucking scary right yes um i think I've never liked the whole Lori and Michael are brother and sister, and that's the reason he's trying to go after her. I've always liked the idea of Michael just snapping and killing people. And if he is chasing Lori, the only reason why is because she's the one that got away and no one gets away. Right. Like yeah. I thought, I always thought that was the scariest thing. Honestly, that's probably like what has like one of the reasons he's like remained silent, catatonic. Like if it really dug at him and just really burned his ass that he wasn't able to kill her, and it's just like 
she's still out there. And that's what has like honestly driven him. So I think that scene you're referring to going back, Cody, when they see, they see each other's faces in the mirror, there's a, like, I, I've got a vibe there that like Michael was kind of recognizing her, like seeing her for the first time in 40 years and like putting the pieces together. And it's like, Oh, okay. That's that. That's that fucking, that's that, that's that girl that got away. The fact that he like ends up in the same neighborhood as, uh, the granddaughter and her friend, I think is, if I'm going to think that he's just trying to check off the last name of the list, I'm going to look at that as more of just a random run in right there. <laughs> yeah. Which also because of the setup of this film in certain <coughs> scenes, I also kind of have a problem with not that I like, not that it ruins the movie for me, uh, but there's just like I'm like, man, you really outside. <laughs> so there's this there's like a school dance in this movie, and I'm sorry we're jumping all over the place, mm-hmm. but there's a school, and I, I want to go back to that scene I was talking about with Lori in the beginning of the film too. When I'm done with this, but there's this dance scene in this school uh, where like uh, uh, where it's like this fucking dude. Everybody's like costumed to the nines. It's this huge fucking party. There's like hundreds of kids there, and then it looks like maybe this town has a, like maybe a couple thousand people that live in it. Like it didn't. It didn't. The you know what I mean. The contrast of that didn't look realistic enough for me to believe anything that happened um, that took place in that high school or uh, like well and also like the teenagers story. They did not make me care enough about the teenagers. Well, that um, and that's what oh. we need to go back to is just that whole yeah. di- that whole mm-hmm. aspect of the film, which is Laurie Strode's family. You know, which is her estranged daughter and and her granddaughter and like they try to set it up and like you know the whole thing about the original halloween obviously was like the teenagers that's who you follow most of the movie right in the first one um there's the loomis side character and stuff like that but like but in these like that's the problem i've had with both rob zombies remake and also this one is I didn't love the teens. Like I didn't think like I was like that drawn in by them as these are the people we're going with. You know what I mean? Like it felt uh, everybody's a little too witty, a little too, you know, like knows just what to say on the fly. I don't know. It's like, it just kind of annoyed me in certain ways. I felt the same way. Like, and that, that goes for honestly, like a bulk of a bulk of the side characters in this movie feel underwritten or overperformed. I don't I can't I don't know which one it is. I think it's underwritten. Yeah, cuz it's like these characters like it's I was cuz I, I when I was watching this I was trying not to compare it to any of the other ones, but if I was comparing anything to between the other films, it was I was comparing like style and mood and tone and that sort of thing. And from that aspect, I can I I feel like even the teens in four and five, like the main people we're following are like more enjoyable to like watch them banter. Cause it feels a little more natural. Whereas this one feels like, you know, the, the script was really polished to a point where it's like, I know exactly what they're going to say. And like Chris said, they're, they're all perfectly witty and it's just not, not very enjoyable to hang out with like kind of people. I no, like, <laughs> well, and the thing I think with with the marketing of this film and kind of how it's set up is like you're led to believe like this is a Laurie Strode movie, and really she's only in about a third of the film. 
Mm-hmm. But you're led to believe before you went, you sat down and, and saw this movie, it's a Laurie Strode movie, and it I feel like it should have focused on Laurie Strode more than it did. Oh man, I this is one of the this is one of the gripes I have, and I was going to save this for the review, but uh, this is a good segue. Is I think the I think one of the like misses in this film was focusing way too much on Laurie. Like I thought. What was great was in the beginning, the interview, setting up her history, how her family has been estranged. We, we, we meet the daughter and the granddaughter. We, we see how that relationship dynamic works. And what personally I, I would have loved to see is more of a throwback to the original film where we're really focusing on the granddaughter and the mother. Like I kind of would have liked that first showdown between Lori and Michael to end badly for Lori. And then mom has to basically dive deep into her fucked up childhood and pull back all of the shit she learned and all the shit mom taught her to protect her daughter. And then those two have to kind of come to terms with like the family history and like finish what mom didn't have a chance to. Well, this is what's See, probably going to happen in Halloween Kills. So, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, and that yeah. was well, and I, I and I agree with you, Chris. And like, that's kind of my argument with this film. I'm like, with this film, I think this should be Laurie's film, and you end it here, and you pass the baton on to the others in the following, because you know you're getting sequels, right? You know you're getting sequels. Oh, they planned pa- that shit before this one was shot. <laughs> yeah, it's they said they said people signed on for multiple year deals or multiple sequels before they yes but when they had when they signed on they signed on to do multiple films so they knew it going in um and i feel like they could have ended Lori's story on this one and passed it on to the new generation uh but they didn't they didn't do that so they and they could have focused more on her because like you said when they and going back to the podcasters coming into to Lori's house and giving her three thousand dollars i wanted more from that like who are these two guys that you married? Because you would, you know, you're fucked up royally from a men, obviously. Hello, Michael Myers. You've built this, you know, fortress because of him. Who are these two men that 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 you were married to? And then, you know, when did you have your your child? And which with with which one? And and like, yeah, I want to know what more. What happened to you? How did your daughter? You know. Did you fight for it? Did you, you know, any of that stuff? And we just get like this, this very brief glimpse into it. And it's kind of yeah. all that said, except for what Karen, Judy Greer says kind of later on in the film. Yeah. And, um, uh, to that point, like, I think I just naturally assume this is like, I, this is a funny point because we've described her as Sarah Connor twice now. And then this specific scene, when they bring up her two divorces, immediately just made me think of Sarah Connor. Like, well, they're probably both like survivalist type guys. And she just married them to learn from them, just like Sarah Connor did, you know, because Sarah (laughs) Connor had like failed relationships and marriages. And she only hooked up with guys who were were, like ex-military and shit like that. And I feel like that's the same thing in this situation. I mean, they could they could have put a sentence in. Right. But I I personally don't give a shit about. (laughs) <laughs> her ex-husbands really you know maybe yeah. it would have been interesting to hear her daughter say something about yeah dad couldn't stand her too or like or yeah she dro- he drove dad out the house just, or, i haven't talked yeah. to my dad either in a hundred years just or whatever, some more back yeah just some more backstory of like you know of this character who you would think at this point because of what she's been through um you know what was that relationship like what was it more like more than just like here's my childhood it's a basement like what else? I, like, I, what I, happened to your dad? What, like, you know, I do I, wanna, there could have been more. 
I do want to say that I, I actually really do like the story, uh, the dynamic of three generations of women uh, and how that tracked, like how this has had a, an impact on their entire lives and that entire relationship. Right. Same. I, you know, it's, it's weird because I agree with you guys on all these points to some extent, but I also think like how hard that must have been to think about writing. Like, okay, you got Laurie Strode, right? So the understanding is that you're going to probably center that her as the heroine, right? But now you have a daughter and you have another girl so that you can get this teenager aspect that's also so classic in the films. Like, to give equal time to both those stories and try to flesh them out, I think it just kind of got stuck in the problem of, like, all right, like, who are we going to focus on? I guess we'll try to focus on all of them, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I think, I think it it just felt like the most natural spot to, like, end end, uh, Laurie's story was, like, at that first encounter right there. And like, then we would have had so much more time to really spend time with Allison throughout, throughout the film. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, have her be the, her and her friends be like the primary focus of the people who are getting murdered, like, like they do already, but then have her mother have to like take up the mantle of her grand, of her, of her grandmother basically, and kind of be like the defender so I, I I really do uh, enjoy the legacy part of this movie. Actually, it's one of the things I wrote down that I wanted to talk about with it. Uh, I think it's probably the best, the thing that this movie does best and is the legacy. I thought it was cool uh, because I feel like it goes hand in hand uh, with what the filmmakers were trying to say about all the other films. Uh, and the characters themselves. Um, where what I mean by that is, is like you have the generation that grew up with Halloween, the original, right? That saw it when it hit theaters, that grew up with it and were terrified from it from the beginning. And Michael is that guy for them. And then you had their kids who saw it and were like, "Yeah, you know, Michael's great, but I got Freddie and Jason, and I got you know these guys, Scream or whatever the yeah, fuck it may face be." Guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got you know I have these guys, and then you get down to the new generation who's like, who the fuck is Michael Myers? Oh, he killed five people. Who cares? There's worse people out there. Yeah, until mm-hmm. that shit comes home and hits them, and then it becomes real. Right, and that's what happens in this movie. And I I think that was the filmmakers saying the same thing about the past movies of like, listen, the reason that we're re kind of rebooting re, re, re sequel re, rebooting this is because Michael's been watered down over the generations and we want to bring him back to what he was. And I think they're even saying that too with the with the pumpkin credit, right? In the in the original pumpkin credit, it's the pumpkin rotting. It's a time of it rotting and this one is going coming from a rot to a full pumpkin. Right. Yeah. yeah. I thought yeah, it was a very interesting to, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I that's a good perspective actually. I uh yeah, I didn't think about it like that as much, but um, I don't know. Like the fan, though the fan. Like I just keep thinking about the family dynamic here because there. Um, it sounds like you wanted to spend more time with Judy Greer, and I, I, I don't know. Like I wasn't um, sold on her character in this yeah. movie, and Oof. I, I feel like I feel like, and, and I'll even go as far as to say with Jamie Lee as well. Like I wasn't sold on that she was like this crazy badass that's been shooting guns for the last like 35 years. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know why, if it was just hard for me to remove so, my brain. Well, I want to say like, I, I wasn't, I, I don't want to spend more time with Judy Greer. I want to spend, or is that the daughter? 
Yeah, no, yes. Judy Greer. Ju- yeah, she's Karen, the daughter. No, no, the granddaughter is who I wanted to spend the bulk Alice. of the time in this Alice. movie yeah. with. Yeah, maybe she yeah. comes back in 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 the sequels and has a much stronger role or whatever. And but she's gonna have to. Yeah, but like I just yeah I felt like I I didn't really buy like when she was when Judy Greer is standing on the side of the road with her granddaughter after Jamie Lee Curtis has her PTSD freak out moment in the restaurant or whatever. Um, which I didn't even believe that she would even show up if that was if it was that bad. But like what when she comes out and starts telling the story, like, here's here's what you didn't know about me. Like, I was just like, dude, this is so flat. And I do not buy that. You had this crazy childhood for some reason. Like, this doesn't work for me. Yeah, no, it didn't set me up. I I didn't. I I hated her probably the most in this film. (laughs) Oh, are you fucking kidding me? I will fight you guys tooth and nail on this one. Yeah, I did. She is one of the. She's one of the best characters in this movie. Her shit is super fucking subtle. That's why you don't notice it. And it is amazing. All right. So I think she's that stoic and stuff like that explaining it because, listen, she has spent years, 40 years trying to get over the trauma from the P- from the PTSD that her mom has caused her. She has done everything in her power to marrying a complete buffoon who just fucking agrees with everything to have that family life that she lost out on to, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, on the final scene when the cops show up with Lori to grab them, to take them back to Lori's house, which I thought was weird, take them to the police station, why would you take them to Lori's house? Um, <laughs> fucking Judy Greer, I don't know if you guys picked this up, is wearing a Christmas sweater. S- like, which to me is signaling that She's still fucking haunted by her mom's bullshit. But when Halloween October comes around, she's already fucking over it. I'm over Halloween. I don't want to do I'm Christmas now. I'm already Christmas. There's there's I mean, I definitely agree with you that the Christmas sweater was definitely something. Especially, and I imagine that too. It's just like a kind of a subtle kind of callback to like try to give you some history of that character. I have to imagine that every fucking Halloween for that girl must have been terrible. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like Lori couldn't have met, let her go out. She never would have done anything. Uh, there's no fucking way I'm letting you go hang out with a bunch of kids. She probably had no friends. Mm-hmm. The other thing too, isn't she like in in psychiatry or something like that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually, this is why I actually don't have too much of a problem with the way that she stoically kind of explains this because I feel like as a as a clinician, like as somebody who's in a clinical atmosphere, she has not only processed this, but she has a very clinical way of. Hey, yeah, bad things happen, and bad things happen to me, but I'm over that, and that's uh, just the way it is. I just want you to make sure that you understand that, like, this could go down a very dark path if you keep communicating. Like, I think that that's how she's managed to to deal with this process. So I don't think that she'd be breaking down crying and telling her story, and, she, like, she hasn't yet gotten over this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she's she's processed it, and she's doing everything in her power to protect her daughter from the what she perceives as the ugliness of her childhood. Yeah, I think for me, I, I think it comes down to it just the the conflict between her and her mother. It just it didn't. It felt forced, I guess. It just it didn't feel natural. And again, I think this might become this might come back to a thing of writing because I agree with you, Mike, with like the way that she's explaining away things. It's very it's very doctor. It's very I'm a scientist, essentially, like I'm going to use like logic to, you know, work through all these like, you know, crazy thoughts and beliefs that people are, are having or saying. But like in terms of just her overall scenes shared with 
with Lori. It just didn't, I don't know, man. It just didn't feel completely like, like, like natural to me. I don't know why. Because I think that's because they keep her. I, I think it's, and it's, again, it goes to writing. Uh, I think they keep her in that frame for too long. Uh, what I mean by that is like, even up to the point, like, you almost don't believe like she believes what's fucking going on or like until the point she shoots Michael in the face. Yeah. Mm. Until that point, you're almost like, and I think they just linger on her still fighting her mom's teachings for, for, for just way, 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 way too uh, well, long. Well, you on. know, I, I'm sorry. Uh, do you want to go first? <laughs> no, all I, I was, all I was saying that. was like, I think what I think you're kind of convincing me that it really, if that's the case, it, it does come down to to writing. I think, I think there's a there are a few moments in this movie where it's like they clearly, like the doctor is a great example. Like they clearly there's a setup, right? But it's like they take so long with the setup, like that it almost feels kind of like. It's like you lot you you you've passed the point where I'm gonna be like whoa, and I'm at a point where I'm like. Okay. Or I'll make a stink uh, face like pfft. Well, th- and there's just like a lot of character things to me that just don't make sense, right? Like uh the like the end like the like she she's going to tell me this lady uh Karen who is, you know, a psychiatrist and all this stuff. Michael kills her husband and no one gives a shit. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> like yeah, that, that, the daughter doesn't give me. a fuck. The daughter doesn't give a fuck. Uh, uh, Nobody cares. Karen doesn't give a fuck. And I'm wondering, I do wonder, I'm like, is that her real dad? Or is that just a stepdad Like for Allison? I'm like, because he's just such a fucking idiot. Has the weirdest line in the movie. And I have to say it was, oh, I got peanut butter on my penis. I know. I was like, <laughs> said it twice. I was like who thought so that nice. was funny? <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. And then, like, the other thing, again, lazy writing, where I, I'm just like, okay, what happened to this guy? Julian, who's probably my favorite character in the movie. <laughs> he's everyone's favorite character in the movie. The, the, the little kid, right? So he's being babysit by, by Vicky. And I actually think this scene, the whole the Vicky scene, is uh, the best scene in the whole movie besides the gore kills. Um, because it, it feels like where the, the writing is natural and it's because they're writing comedy. Um and the back and forth between them is so sweet and so like funny and great. And then like Michael's in the closet and he kills Vicky and Julian watches it and he runs away. And then he, he just where it never mentioned again. Okay. <laughs> we're just never going to mention him again. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. He was, there, there's a handful of characters that just like, yeah, had like a moment. And, but I think the reason I liked this scene so much because this is probably one of my favorite scenes in this movie was um I think there's like a level of intimacy to it where it's it feels like a smaller film you know like even though this is supposed to be small town but a bulk of the scenes happen in like very public places and very wide open shots wide open yeah. shots and stuff like that and it just that's the thing that that I think gives the first film a bit of its magic is like you feel very isolated in this neighborhood at night on Halloween, you know, like mm-hmm. there's like ki- all the kids have gone home. They're all in bed and you're just dealing with a babysitter 
and the kid that they're supposed to be watching. And it's a lot of those intimate moments like that or the babysitter and one of her friends or, you know, even walking to school. It's like the streets were like, for the most part, pretty empty that they're walking down the neighborhoods. Like it just felt a lot more claustrophobic. And I think this movie's missing that a slight bit of that element that gives it the added uh, vibes and the added terror and the, the added feels to it for me. You know what? I didn't think about that at all, but I think you're right. I, I, I was just going through and like picturing, and a lot of the shots though are like recreations from the first film. Um, but there is a lot of openness to this film. I agree with that. Like big windows, you can see through multiple stuff. Cause you have to see Michael doing stuff in the background. Mm-hmm. Like, Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. And that definitely makes sense. Like I didn't pick up on that. And that's man. I agree. I agree. There you How go. do you guys feel about like the overall like aesthetic of the location of Haddonfield? Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you brought this up because I wanted yeah. to talk about versus, this. Versus, versus kind of, other iterations of it? Or are we? Yeah. Or versus just just in the way they portrayed it and the like the neighborhoods they used and like the the overall lighting scheme of everything. So, mm-hmm. Like I know they for did what? recreate stuff from the original and use some of those techniques, but I got a very know, yet it's the same orange warm kind of glow to it. Everything like a very like street lamp kind of yeah. orange color. And then like, and, and the location itself, you know, I had to go back and think about it because I was like, ah, why doesn't it feel like what I feel like Haddonfield should, should, look like you know everything looks kind of sparse and dead and not really like it just wasn't uh didn't represent fall that well to me yes thank you that that is the one of the things i took away from this movie was it it didn't feel halloweeny enough to me like we're we're like the first film and then uh you know like we'll say like four and five and and some of six like those feel like I'm watching a Halloween movie and not like a, I'm not, and I'm not saying Halloween is part of the series as a movie that I would watch during Halloween to get me into the Halloween spirit and the Halloween mood. Like mm-hmm. I didn't get that so much from this movie. It didn't like, and I don't know if that's just like color palette choice or just like the overall tone they use or how they shot it, but it just didn't feel like I'm on the holiday it like it just didn't have the same magic, I guess. So for for me, I I didn't have any of those gripes. I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe they shot it in the same neighborhood that they shot the first one, um, which is in, it's actually in California. Um, I thought this whole they, movie was shot in like South Carolina or something. Are, I thought it was this whole film. Yeah. Is it South Carolina? This whole film I thought was it was. Shot this, I thought they used the same in neighborhood. South Carolina. Yeah, the whole film. I was could shot. be wrong. And some. In, I thought it was wrong. Some in Illinois. Which makes sense since some of these shots look like um, you can tell by the houses that they probably shot this in like the area that they shot uh, like Home Alone, like they're very very big mansiony houses. Yes. So I call them Steve almost Martin. All houses. of those, all, all, <laughs> almost all of those movies are shot in I think w- Winnetka. I think there's somewhere in Chicago is where that gotcha. that location. Have you ever? Have well, you ever noticed that about Steve Martin movies? Like, no matter what job he has, he has like a fucking mansion house, and he always acts like he just makes, like he just makes like okay money. But you're like, you make, <laughs> you're making. There's no way you're just making okay money, and you have like a house. Bro, that, that was bro, that was that was the, the 80s. Of Come on, like you yeah, just can't dude, get that anymore. 80s, dude. dude, he still <laughs> does that. No, it's every Steve Martin movie. Watch seriously, they, even past the 80s, yeah. Steve Martin always so has a huge funny, house, dude. and he's, he's like, like middle class. 
class. Yeah, no I work middle, yeah. middle class. Yeah, middle class Jesus. used to be killing it. <laughs> I'm just I'm middle class. I work at the gas station, dude. You have a fucking. Why does your house have twenty rooms? Yeah, your attic has an attic, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I so but going going back to the aesthetic, I didn't have a problem with it. Um, I thought it was fine. There's a lot of things that I like that they did with it, especially with his walk through Haddonfield as he goes on his little, little killing rampage. Um, I, I I actually thought that it looked great. I had no problem with that. I think where you might be getting caught up, and this is just my, my perspective of it, is that Michael Myers lends himself to old school editing much better than he does new school editing. Where th- things are much quicker... I think with you linger with a Michael Myers movie, um, a Halloween movie, you get more tension. And John Carpenter's really good at lingering with stuff and edits and staying with stuff to build that terror and tension. And I don't feel like that we really got that with this one. I don't like, know. They don't really do good I, like long cuts where we build those tension. I, feel I thought like. I thought the whole killing of the uh, whatever the teenage friend, the uh, friend zone kid. Um. <laughs> What's his, what's his name? I don't, I don't remember. No, Cameron or something? Yeah, it's something like no, that. No, Cameron's, Cameron's the boyfriend. Okay, fr- no. fr- friend zone dude. Curly I call him, yeah. kids. I call him uh, Eric Stoltz and Mask. Eric Stoltz and Mask. Um, either Jesus. way, like, um, no, I, I thought that, that, that if any of those scenes had a lot of tension, that was the one that did. I mean, the strobe light effect, yes. I know that's been used a few times. But, like, he's behind him, and now he's in front of him, and now he's, like, trying to talk it up. And can I say, he plays kind of fucked up pretty well. That's kind of how people act when they're fucked I hate when people do, like, an over-dramatization of what it's like to be drunk. Yeah. Like, he's no, seen, I, like, I hey, agree. man, I, like, I'm cool, man. Just, like, I just gotta go, His man. His like, Oscar, by the way. Oscar. Oscar. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Oscar. <laughs> yeah, no, so, and, and honestly, that is also, like... One of my one one of one of the better for me one of my more favorite scenes some favorite deaths to like probably after the babysitter scene is that one because it's like yeah it that one is drawn out that one is a little long and there is like cool tension being done with the light you know so I think they nailed it there it's the scene when he's like out walking around though and the cop just runs him over he's just walking down the sidewalk of next to an empty park it's just like. Where, where is he going right now? Is this what he does? He's just going. <laughs> he's going to find Lori. Where is he going? <laughs> he's got a poop. Yeah. <laughs> he had to drop a deuce. I, I thought that they were definitely trying to do like the death. You know when they, they accidentally kill the wrong guy in Halloween 2? Oh, yeah. There's a scene where that kind of happened too where he's like walking yeah. And they kill him, and he just like kind of just stands there and lets the car hit him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was I hoping that's quite... where they were going, and they did not. Yeah. I, I, I haven't quite figured out how fast Michael Myers is. It seems like he has a tendency to be very quick when he wants to be. And for whatever reason, when immediate danger is in front of him, not really giving a shit. <laughs> that, reminds, <laughs> that just reminds me of that Leslie Vernon movie where he's like sprinting and then goes back to walking as soon as they turn around. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, let me- I mean, I, I do agree with you that that, that scene is good. But one, one scene I don't, I don't feel like... If they had done it consistently throughout the movie, it would have helped better. Um, you know, you guys mentioned Cameron earlier. This is another scene I have a problem with, and it has to do with time lapse that I don't get, which is Cameron is her boyfriend, and we find out Allison's boyfriend, the granddaughter's boyfriend, sorry. And we find out through like the dad telling him that he's to party with, you know, Lonnie or whatever, who's from the first movie. 
uh, and they got high together and all this stuff. But you don't get this ever. Do you get? I, I never did pick up this impression that Cameron was a fucking bad dude. Like the boyfriend no, was a bad dude. Not at all. Never did never. I pick this up, right? So they go to this school dance again. It's a fucking rager of a school dance. Doesn't make sense for a like small town. Like twenty grand to have. spent on this party. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. That drove me nuts. <laughs> that the party looked like that. But whatever. They go to it. Allison gets a phone call from Vicky. She goes talks and talks to Vicky for probably two to three minutes. And that two to three minutes spanned, Cameron and Oscar get bored, then get drunk. Then she comes back, sees another girl kissing Cameron, gets mad. Cameron comes over to, um, to, to talk to her about it. Seems cool at first, and then goes from cool to fucking asshole <laughs> in sixty like in, in like no no fucking time. I actually have a theory for why that happens. The only there is there is a theory for why that happened. The only reason it happened was to get her <laughs> cell phone away from That's her. That's exactly yeah. what I only absolutely. reason. Yeah. That has again, to be it's another a, MacGuffin in this movie, and this movie's well, got a lot of them. It is, I, and I I have to imagine that writing horror films now is so much more difficult than they were back in the eighties because you always have to be conscious of the fact that there's no way to get people alone anymore. Like they always have a cell phone in their hand, so how the hell do you get rid of the cell phone? I would not have been surprised if they wrote this whole thing and they and somebody said, "Hey, why doesn't she just pick up her cell phone and just call Lori?" And they go, "Fuck! How do we get rid of the cell phone?" Well, maybe we make the boyfriend an asshole. But he's like, they don't even hint at it but until, that is lazy until writing. then. It's, it's super and lazy then, writing, but it's the only th- thing that I can figure out because to your point, Cody, I agree. He seems like a super decent dude. Yeah, the whole movie up, up until, until that, that point. point. Like, yeah. he gets okay. one drink in him and he is just a fucking monster. <laughs> and then, well, and then and, here's the other thing. And they explain I've been it away to... with, with, uh, with Allison's comment. Like, he, he wants everyone to think he's a nice guy and then as soon as he has one sip of alcohol, becomes a big asshole and it's just like, <laughs> all right, d- there we go. Wrote that scene away. Now she doesn't have a phone anymore. Is what it, what that felt like? It's like well, and here's the other thing I've I've been trying to figure out since I've watched the film three four times now. Um, what the fuck did he throw that phone into? Yeah, it's like gelatin. It was a punch was bowl pudding. of pudding. Yeah, yeah like I think it was what French school dance has pudding? Dip. I think it was French onion dip. <laughs> That's what I thought. French onion dip, a big ash vat of French it's onion like pink. dip. <laughs> and, then, and then she just walks away, and I'm like, don't leave your phone. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why she left rice. it either. Like, she was, well, I think she was trying to prove a point. She's like, screw and, you. I'm not going to get it. You know, I guess it, it, it was totally working. You could hear the person on the other end be like, what? Hey, Allison? You can hear it going <laughs> off. So yeah. you're like, okay, it's it's still working. It's not water. It's a good ad for the iPhone. It works in French then, onion dip. <laughs> and then the next scene, the next scene after that is, is her and Oscar leaving. And then we go into Oscar scene, which I'm also confused about, right? And here's why. Oscar's a cool dude all the way up until the point where they hop into the backyard and he tries to force himself on her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, real hard. Uh, where the fuck did that come from? And the and the other reason I say, and there's two either two motivations behind this, and I couldn't figure it out because I'm like, well, is he this diabolical of an asshole, or is he just an idiot? I can't tell from the way it's written. I actually, uh, okay. they're walking down the street. 
And in the background, there's a cop car that drives by that's looking for Michael Myers. Uh, at that same time, Cameron is holding beers, but he looks and sees the cop car go by, and then that's when he suggests to have the shortcut. So I'm like, okay, are you like, oh, the cops are out, I'm gonna try to put these moves on her, I don't want them to see me do something nefarious towards a woman, or is it, I have beers in my hand, let's hop this wall and hide? I, B. Yeah, it's definitely B, yeah. B, but as for why he just, you know, suddenly... Like it would have been, I feel like it would have been a lot, a lot better if like he explained it. Well, he explained he's drunk, so he's like he explained yeah, dude, to Mr. Elrod for some hold reason. On. I, I also I also want to say that I think this happens to girls more often than not. Like I think this happens a lot with guys. I think guys yeah, do this sure a lot. They miss. Right. They oh, it's they it's one hundred percent excuse. They try to get themselves into this weird. Like they get angry because they're like in a friend zone. They just can't figure out how to fucking be a like a decent dude, and they try to play like they're a nice guy, and then. Yeah. This happens. So in that aspect, I was definitely like, okay. So I, since I'm surprised, this is like what other women probably feel like to some extent. True. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's that's true. But here's my thing with it because, and why I go back to the nefarious point of it, like, <clears throat> I feel like him saying that he's drunk and doing all that stuff is because he got embarrassed that he got busted, and it wasn't necessarily because he was actually drunk. Right. I I don't. I don't. I didn't get the impression that he was drunk. I got the impression that he forced himself on her and yeah, tried no. to act and, drunk to yeah, get no. out of it. Yeah, yeah and tried to act was... drunk to get out of it, which I think a lot of men do. And that's the, the. And I think he's a fucking little sneezy, fucked up little sick fucker. And that's yeah. my chap lips. Can, and chap I, lips. I also want to. And say I'm it. glad he died. And I thought it was cool I, that after Michael killed him, he fucking hung him like an ornament. I feel like every 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 character that gets killed in this movie has that moment. Even the uh, babysitter, her name was Kelly, right? No, oh, Vicky. Vicky. Uh, even Vicky. I think like there's a moment like where you they have that moment, right? They're super cool and they, and they have that awesome thing with the kid, right? So you know that they're really friendly together. They know that you know the kid likes her and that she likes the kid. And then she plays that fucking prank on the kid, and then I'm like, well, that's a fucked up thing to do. Yeah. But he goes in, and he's just like, oh, no, sir, what are you doing here? Like, don't fucking scare the bejesus out of this kid. Like, <laughs> I feel like that was a moment where they were kind of like, okay, like, don't like her too much, though, because we're going to kill her off. No, then, she was still like, likable then. Well, then the boyfriend, Dave, right? He, I, I actually kind of liked him, but then when he was like... Like on the motorcycle, like dump the bike and he's yeah. just like being a little shit. I was like, all right. I was like, like, so you're yeah, it's like every, too. every, every, like every side character, or at least every kid, this movie is great until the one moment they're an asshole before they die. Dave, yeah. and, Vicky, like, Dave and Vicky, the only one that they hint at uh, with the sex aspect as well, because that's what his tattoo meant. Yeah. True. Um, True. Is, losing their virginity was, on that. Yeah. Night. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're the only ones in the in the, in the sex aspect of it. Um, but let a, me get. A, sorry. Go, go ahead. On. No, no. Go no, ahead. I was like, what a way no, to no. die, too. Like you, like the, the dot. That guy's body is going to be found by some cops, and they're going to look at the fucking tattoo the same way that obviously the director is trying to make this the irony of it all. Like shit, man. He's got the fucking day of his death tattooed on his arm. Well, he got stabbed up against the wall. Remember, like yeah. in the it was like a throwback to the first one. No, definitely. <laughs> but they they zoom in on that tattoo, and it's the date. It's the date that yeah. he thought in his mind it was going to be the death, yeah. but it's actually Halloween. Yeah. yeah, it's like such a fucking weird, ironic way to die. Like just yeah. have it like plastered on you. That's another reason why, like, kind of like 
even even though we're over this conversation about the Michael's influence, I really think they they did some research into like serial killers who follow patterns because he kills both of them the same way he killed that couple. Like mm-hmm. there, there's there's callbacks to it. This guy's pinned up, and then he puts the fucking sheet over the girl, right. and it's like I think right. he's just redoing. He he's just replaying his actions. He has to like it's like it's on a loop. He just has to do it again. So anyhow, I know we've been. I know we've been all over the place, but I do want to talk about uh, one more useless character before we get uh, probably towards Christ. the <laughs> towards the towards the end of this uh, towards the end of this film here, and uh, that is Sheriff Barker. Um, that is the guy who looks like uh, the the black Dennis Hopper from Texas Chainsaw Massacre too, who basically <laughs> comes in with his uh, oh, uh, that guy. Mayor, mayor of Jaws moment yeah. where he comes in and says he's not going to shut down Halloween. What's the point of him? There's, he has zero fucking purpose in the I movie. I wish he was and in it more, though. Me insane that he's he's no, a terrible he's actor a, Chris. he's a terrible him. character he's oh damn, my he's god so, he, like, not, an a, not a terrible actor he's a oh, terrible I he character awful. i don't think he's a terrible actor but like his character in general is just like <laughs> it's there's there's certain there's, no there's certain tropes i feel like we've grown out of and one of them is the mayor of the small town in jaws like we're not going to close the beach because people are getting murdered and it's like why why would you like come at this with some sort of a lighthearted tone like i don't know why this doesn't bother me as much i liked this guy from what the time he was on screen he's on like, the screen twice there's no need for him wants to say that that uh yeah. uh new loomis has woken up and the other time to say that they're not going to shut the town down and that's it yeah Oh, yeah, that and true. he's around he's around for Lori to give the worst the worst line that she gives in the movie i pray every day that michael get out why would you do a dumb thing like that? So I can kill him. <laughs> so fucking stupid. Oh god, do I hate that's that? Not as bad as, uh, that's not as bad as that's not as bad as the very heavy-handed "do as I say" quote from the, that she they pulled from the first one. God, you 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 wrote down that peanut butter on my penis line, but I think when she gets on the phone, and she's like, "Do as I say." That is the cringiest line in this whole movie. Yeah. I'm like, you do not have to be that heavy-handed about this. That, that just I don't know. Yeah, irks I mean, me. I I actually I I really do like um uh what's her name oh my god fucking Laurie Strode god damn it why am I blinking on her name Jamie Lee Curtis thank you uh, I actually do like Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie um I just think again it goes to the writing like that scene of her waiting for Michael to to get on the bus and her drinking the the alcohol and then screaming while some <laughs> figure in the sun walks up to the window i i still can't figure out what that meant yeah i still don't get it and it was like it didn't need to be again didn't need to be in the movie yeah and if you want if you want the whole bus crash thing to happen and michael to get out have Lori do it. Have Lori be the cause. Wouldn't that weigh on her more? Yes. What if she was, what, what yeah. if Michael was, what if Michael was driving, they were driving Michael down the road and Lori thinks I'm going to shoot him from my car window, you know, and then there's a fucking armadillo in the road and she swerves and shoots the tire out. Then the bus flips. I feel like now Michael's out. I feel like, I feel like there was some sort of a setup for that. Like they were, they were hinting that that was the way they might've gone. And I really, I agree. I really wish they would have because that would have, that would have done such a, a great job of 
of really driving home like her like psychosis from the whole thing and and the fact that she is snapped and she's like i'm gonna kill this guy he's not leaving this town alive basically and she runs the bus off the road and she comes that's why she's like drinking uh at the Mm -hmm. at the dinner Mm because she just realized what she did and yeah now it's like really her fight and it's her responsibility it would have it would have given that character so much more like 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 a purpose in the film to finish and like a redemption that needs to happen but also it would have been a great way to kill her off too because it's like she ultimately caused this so she should die at the end of the film or some point in the film because that's uh, that needs to be redeemed as well that that action she took so yeah let's get to the end of the film as well i want to talk about this so uh new loomis we find out that he's crazy he just wants to feel what michael's feeling and he wants to kill and he wants to see him kill so he uh he 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 basically uh they run michael over with the the cop does uh they run michael over then zartan kills the cop Mm -hmm. and uh we throw michael in the back of the car and then we're gonna drive him which by the way sorry how the hell clash sorry (laughs) never mind how the uh, hell does that little man lift Michael Myers? I don't know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Michael Myers I is literally a tank in this movie. He's like <laughs> six eight or some shit. He's fucking huge and built. And he just this short little old Dodger just grabs him like drags with a him. broken arm. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. He had a shot gunshot arm. wound in one arm. They dragged him with the other. It's just like Oh man. Maybe he put the mask on and he got the Michael powers. Right, that's kind of what that's, I was wondering. That's again, again, are they hinting at that? Because exactly, that defies all logic. And and then you always wonder, well, how does Michael survive so many sh- gunshots? Yeah, does that does this have some healing gunshot power that the uh, the mask has? I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, like it's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. But so he gets into the house and. Doofus dad is the first one to die, which I was so glad when he died. I hated him as a, another Come useless on, character that didn't know. Didn't I know need that he's useless, movie. but he was a good dad. Uh, he was no, he wasn't. He wasn't even a good dad. Yeah, he was, was more concerned about, about his yo-yo tricks than like being concerned Whatever. about a serial was, killer coming he after like them. Just a cool a, guy. You guys just what a he did not buffoon. seem like a cool. He seemed like he seemed like a too much dad. He was he like was you're doing buffoon. too much. He's <laughs> a fucking I buffoon, and I, I was so hey. happy when he died because I was like, what a useless <laughs> piece of crap. And not only was I happy, Karen was happy, crap. <laughs> Allison was happy, uh, Lori was happy. No nobody one gave a shit. <laughs> no one gave a shit. When I he like died. Toby Huss. I think he's a good guy. You wouldn't be saying that. that good, I'm Moranis. not saying anything about the yeah, actor. Yeah, we're not talking about the actor at all. I just, I just feel talking like, about the character. Like, I don't know. I just played. I don't know. I thought he, I liked him as a character. I, you my, know, my, I, I, Michael, you I have to be able to separate when actors. Wouldn't say I liked him <laughs> from their character. How could you be disappointed? What did he do that you were like, man, this guy? Because he, he's he, awesome. He was the one guy that like what, didn't really do anything that bad. That like I think he deserved to die. And it, 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 he seemed like a type of guy that was always trying to cheer up his family. And like I felt bad when he died. <laughs> that was a, yeah. That was the, that's why they probably put that in there. So you need that one cry kill, you yeah. know, where people don't want it to happen. That backfired hugely. yeah no but going to the scene too simultaneously allison has escaped from michael 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 decides to get out of the car why does michael ignore her i don't know 
I don't know why he ignores her if he's after her or if ever was after her at some point in this movie. I don't get his motivation is so fucking. And then all he over kills the, the doctor for he kills Sartain, this so is, they can't be in cahoots. Like because no, well, Michael's done using him at this point. He's got no. he's got him to Hold Lori. On. He and, no and, longer needs him. And I also feel like this defeats the whole like Allison is the hunted. If she's the main target. He had a perfect opportunity to just snap her neck yeah. back there and fucking take care of the doctor. You already know he can get out of the car by himself. Like, he didn't... <laughs> he just smashes the front... It's not like he was trapped and he had to take out the first guy. Like, he held all the cards right there. He's Michael Myers That's in what the I'm fucking saying. tank. There's, there's motivations from Michael Myers in this that just don't make sense unless he's being driven by the mask. Yeah. Perhaps. Well, and then when Allison gets out and she's run, she happens to stumble upon her grandmother's uh, shooting range and has oh, a meltdown for a second. So well, dumb. Can I, <laughs> can I be honest with you? Okay, so her running through the fucking woods. I'm like, your grandma's house is on like obviously acres of land. She's got a shooting range. Um, you're, you know, not even a half a mile down the road from it. Uh. How long does it take you to run through these woods? I know it's like, it, it, like. Well, especially after she it, turned on stupid. all those all those spotlights on her house, you think that'd be like a easy beacon to find out in the dark woods. I do like yeah, I, I, I do like this scene that this scene though because I think the the two cops the two <laughs> the two cops of the car it's probably like one of the more enjoyable banters of dialogue in this film for me. It, it's like funny. so yeah. well written. It's just like <laughs> that line. He's like, uh, yeah, me. that's that's the that's the lunch a four year old would pack if he was allowed to pack his own lunch. <laughs> this is it, it had a very fe- a, a feel like when Julian was on screen, like that their dynamic, yeah. like yeah. it had that same kind of like buddy like comedy kind of feel, which was the most natural acting in the film. Yeah. And I, I agree. I have to question if that has to do with the people involved in it. Right. Like the director, he oh, did yeah. like, I, like I love, uh, your highness. I think that fucking movie is hysterical. Um, <laughs> so I know I? it, I know it bombed big time, but, um, I, I just feel like that they're injecting a little <laughs> bit of that comedy. Like, you know who For it's sure. coming from. You know it's coming from Danny McBride. You know it's coming from him. Like, there's a part of that in that film. Do you wish to give a statement regarding your former patient, Michael Myers? My suggestion is termination. Death is the only solution for Michael. There's nothing to be gained from keeping evil alive. I thought of sodium thiopental would render him unconscious. I'll be with him to make sure his life is extinguished. My ear on his chest to hear for myself that his vitals no longer... All right, so yeah, she stumbles upon uh, Laurie's shooting range and has a freakout moment that is extremely cheesy. Uh, and I hate the way that it's shot and shouldn't have been in the movie. Yep. Uh, but, you know, we also are introduced to, to uh, I think, another character in this film, which is Lori's house, um, yep. which has a basement that is that is like a panic room that is protected by a kitchen island, which yeah. I thought was kind of fun. That was, I thought that was, was cool. That's opened by a mm-hmm. garage door opener. Yeah, I thought that was um, I thought that was cool. That made that like obviously like you know tapped into like your when you're a kid like a fort or some kind of cool like basement sure. and shit. You're like fuck yeah, that's trap cool. door. Yeah. yeah. So Lori and um, Karen are hiding in the basement, uh, and Michael, you know, he well before they're hiding in the basement of the house, husband gets killed. 
Michael s- starts attacking the house, uh, gets Lori through one of the doors, which I don't know how because they all have fucking metal screens all yeah. over them. Like, and <laughs> she shoots his fucking finger off with a shotgun. Ooh. And he, uh, I thought that was a cool a, scene. You wouldn't be hearing yeah. shit after that. <laughs> yeah, I fucking, I thought that was a cool scene too. He's just and like Michael. Di- yeah, Michael disappears. Yeah, and then he vanishes so, for a while. Really quick, like, did anybody else think it was like they were jumping the gun when they got to Lori's house and they were obviously waiting for Allison to arrive, but immediately threw that like heavy bar over the door, immediately threw them all yeah. in the basement. So it's like, yeah. even if they, sh- if she showed up right now, they wouldn't know. Like, exactly. They're in- but Michael. But Michael was already there. The threat was already there. So you know, protect your protect your daughter this while was you before. can. I think that's Lori. I, I think that's uh no. Yeah, because no. when they first get to the house, before Michael even kills the guys in the squad car, before the doctor even drives in there, they've already right. like locked shit down. Yeah, but it's opened back up again by doofus husband who goes <laughs> out there to check on the fucking dead cops. Yeah, look. The amount of times they go up and down in that basement at the end of this movie is <laughs> unbelievable. Like, I just I am like, why do we keep going in and out of this room? Especially like, for how slow that island was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely here, like some circa 80s here's, like pneumatics. Here's my big problem, too. Here's my big problem, too, with it, though. And it, it, I guess because of the end, it makes sense. But. Lori shooting from the f- f- shooting from the basement up to the floor right. and shooting Michael made no sense to me. No. I'm like, way to give your position away. Totally, yeah. <laughs> like that would that's your first move is like blindly shoot through the floor, hoping you hit a toe or so, something. I want to I want to say that I, that I really like this scene. First of all, before we go into this, so it doesn't sound like I'm <laughs> shitting all over it, but I am going to shit over one thing that I didn't understand. <laughs> All right. Like she has all of these contraptions that are set up to, uh, you know, defend her, as we think, uh, from Michael, right? And it, it takes some technological expertise to know this. She has a fucking arsenal down there. Why doesn't she have cameras throughout the house? Like that's a weird thing that I would think. Yeah, that, that would be the first there thing. Are, like if I'm gonna lock the only myself ones down, we're I shown know in the exterior. Up. Yeah, yeah. I would point. have the whole house strapped with them. Like there is never a point where I'm thinking I have to shoot the shotgun blindly because I'll know where the fuck this guy is because I know what this is made for and I just feel like you would maybe maybe she went over budget want. you think so? because then you would <laughs> then you would the take because my, then at that point it. you would have taken away you would take have taken away which I think is probably the best tension part of of the end scene which is you know Lori going through the house with the shotgun like that whole scene no, is like very tension building, I like this. very intense, and I love that scene with her right. going through, bam, closing the fucking metal doors behind her. I thought that scene was the shit. Um, and then they have their fight, which I think is fucking great too, and was so cool. And then you get Michael. He comes and he and he rips up the 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 kitchen island. And you have Karen's moment where she's pretending to be afraid to draw Michael in, pretending to be the prey, and then turns into the predator and shoots him in the face. And then they fucking ruin it with Lori in the background in the shadows. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Happy Halloween, Michael. Oh, oh, oh! All scene ruined. Uh, no, I, I think. You know what? I take it back. Judy Greer, that scene right there. I've this is the third time I've seen it, and I forgot that she does that. Yeah. Like I and like 
and it's that, her it best was a moment. Cool mo- that was a cool moment because I was like, I was like, oh, really, Judy? You're gonna do that? You're gonna just like give up like that? Come on, you've been training your whole life. And then she switches. I was like, that was a good switch for yeah. sure. And that, that I think that was like my favorite scene of hers. And that's why I feel like that scene is what sold me on. If she had snapped into this sooner and had to take charge, you know, take over for her mom sooner in the film, it would have worked mm-hmm. great. It would have worked perfectly. Well, here's, so, here's, my, here's my argument for it, though, and then maybe Mike was going to jump in on this, too, but she doesn't get into that mode until she has to turn into Mama Bear when Allison shows back that's up. That's what I'm saying. That's That was a, that was a writing mistake. It should have happened sooner. See, I didn't even see it like this at all. Like, for me, like, here's the thing. I love that part. I love that that switchover, right? Like, you know, um, but, you know, because I'm thinking the same thing Chris is during this scene, right? Like, you've trained your whole life. You remember how to pick up a gun, fuck somebody up. Like, you know, like, and that's when it realizes when you the reveal is, is that this is all part of a plan. It has to be part of a plan that they came up with when they were when she was a kid. Like I think this. I don't know. I, think, I, I don't here's know. Here's what I that. think. This is my theory. I absolutely believe that this was planned out ahead of time. So at some point in time, between Michael coming to the house, they give a wink and a nod. Remember the fucking word, right? Like I'm gonna go upstairs. I don't think she's worried about her. I think she knows this is part of the plan, and the whole point I, is to use her as bait to come down to get Michael. <laughs> she, and she fucking <laughs> runs up, and they snap into it at some point in time. Like I just I think that's with, such a bad. I actually scene. agree with Mike. No, I agree with Mike because and she and before we get reamed on this episode by somebody who says like she didn't train her whole life, she only trained till she was 12. I think <laughs> um I think Valid. that was the I think that was the plan. Like I think from which the, the that Lori was going to use her daughter as bait in the basement to draw Michael down there. She was going to shoot Michael and then run out of the basement. And then they were going to trap him down there and catch the house on fire. I think that was the plan and what they trained for all the way until she was 12, until she was taken away. I agree. You remember. You remember that training. That training doesn't go away, Cody. So all those haters <laughs> no. out there, let me so tell you something. So that was the plan. That was the full plan start to finish, and they executed it at that uh, during this scene is what you're saying. They just executed it, yeah, 40 years later or whatever. You know what I mean? Whatever because the, here's the thing. Hmm. Why, why hole up in that house versus any other – the house the, – the Strode house? Well, it was always Laurie's plan. I guess the yes, the argument is whether or not uh, her daughter was in on it. She has to. be. Her daughter was. Her no. Her daughter was in. So I think her daughter was in on the plan up until twelve years old when she was taken yeah, away from yeah, her of mother. Course. Yeah. And then yeah. obviously that plan went away because you know, and why she hates her mother so much, Mom. You are going to use me as fucking bait to kill Michael Myers. What if he would have got me? Fuck you. That's where I think her hate comes to for, for Lori. Sure. Unfortunately, then, we don't know that for sure. It came again, from the outside her, world when they found out she was the daughter of a of a crazy wait, woman. She's the one that says it to her daughter when she's like they're down there and like we're in a cage and she's like it's not a cage. Even she says that. Yeah. She knows no, that I, this you is thought, a you fucking thought this trap. was my cage yeah. is what she says. Yeah. Like she's in on it. She has to know. This is what they trained her when she was 12 to do. And she yeah, came yeah. back, and I'm gonna. She came I'm back. Gonna, I'm gonna die on this hill. <laughs> Why the fuck was she resisting so hard then? 
You know, it's like if she was so prepared. Yeah, like, I mean, that's I. I didn't say it was I, done I, well. I agree. Chris. I think the way you're, yeah, the way you're explaining it's fantastic. But uh, yeah, I think again, this is like kind of a writing thing. Cause it's like unless that's like some forty chess shit going on. Yeah. <laughs> like, like no, this was they were they both were also trained actors to act at each other for thirty five years. Method, straight method. <laughs> straight I hate method, you, yeah. mom. Go away. Your grandmother hates you. <laughs> so we kind of gave away the ending there. Um, That's okay. Everybody's they lead seen it. Mi- they yeah they lead Michael into the basement and and uh, they t- they turn it into a trap and then they burn the house down. Uh, two interesting things I, I I saw about that. I listened on a, to another podcast about this movie and they they brought up a great point that. Um, I'd like to share with all our, our listeners and you guys that I think would have been cool too in the story aspect. That would have been a great time to kill Lori as well. If she got trapped down there with Michael to save her family, would have been a great what have I been, way to What have I been saying her. this whole time? Lori needed to die. But yes, yeah. I think if she should have, she should have been the one who lured him and pushed him down and like that then they could have i could see like michael like stabbing her in the gut and then her just like kind of smiling as the house burns around them or something and she and then she could have gave that whole speech uh, to 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 karen about i'm sorry for the way that i raised you but i wanted to protect you she could have gave that whole speech and that this was another you know another podcast their idea and i thought but when i heard it i was like oh my god that's so much better (laughs) guys i'm I'm not gonna lie to you that's how i originally thought the movie ended (laughs) yeah it wasn't until I you see I saw it again where I was like, oh yeah, Laurie doesn't die in this. Yeah, it seemed it, I, it obviously seems like a, a miss to all of us that she didn't die. I think I feel like, especially if you're trying to like rejuvenate the the series, like I know like Star Wars did this and they killed off the a lot of the original cast through through it, and you know I think it would have worked really well because I think Allison is a strong enough le- like character to kind of carry the torch or the Ooh, knife. I would disagree. I would, I would disagree with that. I think Karen is, I don't think Allison is yet. I think Allison, I think they did. I think she could. Allison totally was, could. There's a reason totally. she's, Allison, there's a reason. What are you talking guys. about? What are you guys talking about? Allison was running and scared and babbling the Hold whole time on. through the movie. Now the yeah. badass is Karen. She's yeah. That's her. That's her breaking. That's the same she thing that happened to Lori. Guys, there's, yes. there's a reason. That's her. There's a reason she's holding the knife at the end of the movie. Like, right. There has to be a reason why they're zooming in on her hand. Halloween kills, <laughs> right? Like she has yeah. to be the main. Per- we we have to be following de- her, right? It's called Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They saw that, got the movies confused, and ended the film that way. <laughs> Instead of one woman jumping in the back of a truck, we'll have three. Um, you know, and then and How then it is right. That it's that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but it's the but it's literally the Texas Chainsaw Massacre ending. Like, yeah, come on, is. Yeah. it is, and then. And then they show back into the basement, and Michael's disappeared. It's just a burning basement. No Michael. And when if you they watch show the that? end, yeah, I, the oh, end. oh, I did not watch after the credits. <laughs> well, it's just breathing. It's just breathing, but it indicates that he's coming back, guys, which yeah, we knew yeah. ahead of time. So I'm, but here's my thing. I'm like, how the fuck does he get out of the house? You know how he got out of the house? He was never in the house. Ooh, he's, not, ooh, he's a hologram. No, yeah. uh, it was he's Roy. 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 He's not dead. Goddamn Roy. <laughs> I think he ripped. Him, I think he ripped his way out from that fucking shotgun blast through the floor, if, or oh, just the house of the rubble of the house. On, that was not that big of a fucking hole. Yeah, that was a small ass bullet hole. Come on, but you don't have hops. 
true. You ever see Michael Myers? Come on, Cody. White man can't jump. <laughs> you ever see him jump? <laughs> no, that's true. That's Michael funny. Myers has never left his feet. Never. That's why he's so mad. Can't play basketball. <laughs> Whatever reason that he survived that flaming prison, I'm sure it's going to make me groan a little bit when I hear it in the next one. All right, guys. Was there anything that I missed that you guys wanted to touch on? Um, no, I, I, I think um, I think we, I, we did a pretty good job covering it. I have a game. I have a game I want to play, I think. A game? Okay. Yeah, I, I want to, especially with, for, with Chris, I think it's going to be exciting. So we talked about it a little briefly at the beginning Sorry, of the Cody, movie. Sorry, Cody. You and I are out. No, no, no. You win, Chris, already. Chris, Chris I want to hear his answer the most. Um, so we we mentioned at the beginning of the, the show that, like, this kind of basically segments the movie off into a multitude of different, like, possibilities, right? Right? You got one and then two, and then it goes into four and five, or you go one and two into H2O, or one and two, or one into this new trilogy. What What's your favorite version of this, then? Are you talking about the universes? The universes, correct. Okay, like, let me clear this up. Let me clear this up for you, Chris, real quick. Okay, so what okay. he's talking about, what he's talking about, <laughs> is that you have different universes for Halloween. You have Rob Zombie's Halloween universe mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. Halloween, his Halloween one for and sure, two. For sure, for sure. You you have the uh, what I guess we would consider the H two O timeline, which would be Halloween one two, H two O, and I think Resurrection. Um, you have Wait. the Halloween. Three timeline. Oh, well, okay. you have just the Halloween timeline, which is one, two, four, five, six. Because right. yeah, yeah, and then you have the Halloween time, which is one, two, th- yeah, four, five, six. Uh, and then I feel like I'm missing one more. There's about five timelines. No, that's though. all of them. That's all of them. So and then, okay, so Halloween three sits on its own. Well, this one <laughs> yeah. too, I guess technically yep. this one. Halloween one, one, two, four, five, and six and seven H two O. No, H2O ignores the, the the sequels as well. Yeah, so it's 1, 2, H2O, 1, 2, 4, 5, yep. 6, 1, 2018, or 1, mm. 2, H2O, and Resurrection. Oh, I see. This is really hard. I almost need to see it on paper, like <laughs> what, it inclu- what it includes. I'm sure there's a Wikipedia you can probably find. Where does that. Resurrection fall in that? That's, that's part of H2O. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay, yeah, my t- my favorite timeline is definitely one, two, four, five, and six overall. Yep. Um, three is a right in there. Like I love that movie on its own. Like I don't even know how that could be up against any of this because we're, it's like the Michael. It's not even a part of the Michael Myers timeline. Right. I and, agree, uh, but it, but it's a uh, Halloween timeline. And, uh, but you know, like, as I, I remember, as I first watched this movie, I kept thinking, didn't H2O already happen? Like this was like, H2O seemed like a better face off between Jamie Lee Curtis and, and Michael Myers or yeah, and Laurie yes. and Michael Myers. Like well, it think, seemed almost like a better, a better battle. In I'm, a not, sense. I'm not a hundred percent on this, but I thought that Jamie Lee Curtis specifically wanted like a stronger conflict between the two of them. Like... Like I, I I thought I remember reading something because she is like executive producer on this and like I don't know if that was one of the things that got her on board was that she would have a stronger conflict or role mm-hmm. or character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got you. Rather than well, play like, like the victim that's being hunted, that's just defending herself, she's like but, actually hunting. But she kicked ass in H two O. 
I know that's what I'm she saying, and it was like pretty well. fucking cool. And you get and you get more backstory, right? You get you. you I mean, the first hour, I, I will say, the first hour of H two O, right? It's like basically the backstory of her, of her like getting because you can't have you can go basically down the two timelines of like H two O and this one, right? How the PTSD affects you. It's either going to affect you to where you go the crazy and you're going to get all the guns and you're going to put it in the basement. Uh, and then, <laughs> or you're going to, like, she's like a psychiatrist in that one, right? Thank she's you. A head yes. She's a dean of a school. Yeah, she basically dean. has Karen's character. She's a, yes, thank you. And that's, that is, you're, yes, you're pointing out exactly what I said at the very beginning of this episode, which is like, it felt like the filmmakers wanted to make sure there was some level of fan service. So there are elements of every single one of those timelines you just laid out yeah. in this film. Like there is like the 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 more the the daughter being more of a doctor or you know being more of an intellect responding to it. Like there is like the kind of reality TV aspect of it with the podcasters and the resurrection tie in there. Like there's the familial yeah. thing with like the little well, girl the radio from the six, the little girl who's who the, the like the granddaughter, you know, of that family, like getting chase, which is like four and five and six part of that timeline as well. So it's like, they tried to put a lot of those elements into it a little bit, but unfortunately, I think what happens is if you add too much little things and you don't spend enough time on any of them, they all feel like kind of like unfinished thoughts or, or unfinished films all within the same film. There's just too many subplots. Do you think they couldn't? Do you think they couldn't afford to get busted back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Buster Rhymes was busy. What is your favorite timeline, though, Chris? Which one? You said the the full one. What about you, Kyle? I would say one, two, four, five, and six for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. I'm in the same boat, Mike. I I think it might be barring figuring out where this one goes because, for all I know, two and three of this might kick ass, and I'm just like on board. Um, I would probably. I kind of feel like it's the H two O one. Um, I don't know. I I guess I maybe because I like the really Laurie centric versions of yeah. I think. I think I'm with Mike on that one. Like I don't, I don't, because I didn't grow up with the uh, four, five, six. I grew up with one, one and two, and then I saw H two O probably after that, and then I went back and watched the other ones. Um, so I would have to go with the probably the H two O line is my favorite too. Um, I think this one, they really do try though. I think. I, I do think they have like as a like I do see where they're trying like I I think that they try like this the my example would be like the the scene where uh, the uh, granddaughter Allison is sitting in the same exact seat in the same exact school and the same exact subject that Lori was in 1978. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. And then outside, instead of being Michael creepily staring at her, it's the new monster, right? The PTSD monster, Lori. Um, so I, I think they tried, man. I think they tried to make a direct Halloween sequel. I just think the writing could have been tightened up quite a bit. Well, But what do you say we get full thoughts on this and we rate this Mammer Jammer? All right. We'll be rating Let's it. Let's do it. I think there's only one thing that we can read it, and it's grandmothers. Grandmothers. <laughs> not grandmas, <laughs> not nanas. Grandmothers. 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 Nothing casual you gotta, sounding. It's just you gotta, grand, yeah. very serious. You got to put it in your phone. phone you got to put it in your phone as grandmother. <laughs> serious tone. You're dealing you with gotta grandma. You got to say it a hundred times whenever she's around. <laughs> 
was like, what? Nobody like yeah. called this out. Like, what do you think they're overusing the word grandmother in this movie no. for some reason? <laughs> no like, I don't understand if they were or if I'm just like being a dick like, about it. You know, like I have no idea. I mean, that's not like, what I used when I was a kid. So it's just <laughs> no, maybe no. how we grew up. <laughs> I feel like she's got right, like so niece, let's... nephew in her phone. Like no names. Yeah. No just names, titles. just niece. <laughs> niece. Niece one and niece two. I'm going to throw us off here a little bit. Let's start with Mike. So uh, I, I have a feeling I might I, I have a feeling I might have the highest score. Um, I don't I didn't like this film when I first saw it, just like all of you guys. Um, the second watch was a little bit more enjoyable for me. Um, when I feel like when we're rating this, it's like, OK, like, what am I relating this movie to? Am I relating it to the first one? In that case, like, yeah, OK, it's not nearly as good. But am I relating it to any of the other parts of the franchise? Like, I feel like it's a pretty high bar, like, compared to a lot of other films in this franchise. So I, I'm going to give it a three. I probably would have given it, like, a one and a half when I had first saw it. But this, I kind of feel like it's a pretty average film. I find it entertaining. I think the acting is actually quite well done. And I think there are a lot of good moments in the film that I enjoy. So that's my, that's my score, and I'm sticking to it, I guess. There Until I watch it a third it time. From Mike. I will go next. Uh, so uh, one of the things that we didn't talk about, which I'm sure we'll talk about when everyone's done giving the reviews, because this is how we just do the show even five years later. Uh, um, but I we forgot to mention that John Carpenter's score is fantastic in this. Yes. Um, I, I really do love it, and it helps bring it into the mood. As I was saying before, I do think that they're trying their best to um, make a direct sequel and make it feel like this is a continuation of the first story. I don't think it works all the time, but it does enough to where it's not a bad movie. Um where I'm at on it is a is a is a two point five. I think it's middle of the road. I wouldn't say it's super game changing, but I don't think that's what the series needed either. Um, and I'm glad that the writers and, and the director coming from their backgrounds didn't try to make a joke out of it. Um, and I, I think they did try to handle it with care. Like I said, there's just some just cheap writing stuff in it that that kind of brings it down for me. But yeah, two point five. Chris, when I first saw this movie, like in the theater, and that opening um, title sequence started playing, I got. I'm glad you brought up this, the music and stuff because when all that started happening, I remember getting a huge jolt of excitement. Uh, as I was sitting there, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be awesome. This is everything that, you know, people have been waiting for from a Halloween remake. I think maybe like Rob Zombie took it a little too off, you know, for people's, I don't know, people love that series too, just maybe not me. Anyways, when that started, I got really excited. And then that excitement just melted away, like as the movie went on. And I don't know, I think maybe the first time I saw it, I was looking at it too cynically and maybe too uh, hyper-focused on the fact that I had to forget everything I knew about the Halloween legacy that had been built up basically, you know? So uh, it was probably like, a one for me coming out of the theater. And then I saw it a second time and I was like, 
Okay, it's still a a one to a one and a half, but it feels like I I think we saw it together so we could see some of the better aspects of it. And then now on this third time watching it, I have to say it has increased like and I it almost like there's a little piece of me that I'm like, oh, I didn't want it to. But now now that I'm not looking at it so cynically, probably I I'm like, yeah, there's some good elements to this. The music is is pretty awesome in the film and the sound design as a whole is like really good. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the aesthetic of the film. I feel like it didn't like Kyle was saying earlier, didn't give me the Halloween fall vibes. It felt a little deserted and just kind of dead. And I don't know if maybe that's what they're going for, but I wanted something a little bit more imaginative (laughs) out of it. Um, I thought a lot of the acting performances were shaky. I still believe that. Like, I think that, you know, this movie got kind of blown up when it first came out and people were like so hyped on it that the hype kind of took over and people didn't see it for its independent film feel that it kind of has. Um, but, you know, like at this time through, I found I found a lot more good things about it. And I think I'm going to bump it up to two and a half. Um, it's definitely not the worst in the series. And I'm after talking to you guys about the film, I'm actually excited to see if a lot of what we said doesn't happen in Halloween kills or the following Halloween ends like. Maybe we maybe all these things we're talking about, they knew like we can't get it all in the first film. We're going to expand on all this shit, uh, you know, as time goes on and answer some of these questions. And they just had to like, yeah, basically dump out everything in the first one. And then like a TV show, they can expand throughout the rest of the series, you know, like more on these questions like what who who was Allison's dad you know what's what was Lori's past like during all that time maybe they explore that in like the sequels but um I'm gonna give it yeah two and a half two and a half grandmothers and that yeah grandmothers cringe (laughs) all right and last but not least Kyle what are you giving Halloween 2018 I'm trying to think of my feeling the first time I watched it and this time. I know the first time I watched it, it was definitely like just kind of uh, lackluster and just kind of like blah. This time through, I don't know if it's just the curse of the podcast, but I was watching it a little more critically. It actually felt like I felt less connected to the characters this movie (laughs) the second time through. But I also did take notice of certain scenes that I really thought were well done and actually um, well put together. There are not many of them, but there are, there are a few that are great. I think overall this movie is just missing um, some of the charm and some of the vibe and some of the energy of the Halloween series, which is kind of, to me, it comes off as a disappointment because I see how much effort that the filmmakers put into actually capturing that. So it's like you see that they're trying, but for me, like it ultimately kind of, fell a little flat in some of the things they were trying to do. Um, I think that the writing needed to be cleaned up and stripped down. Some of the, some of the subplots weren't necessary and some of the characters we focused on, we didn't focus on enough of, I think. And to Chris's point, yeah, maybe in the grand scheme of things, you know, years later, we're going to look at the three films together as a whole and we're going to be like, OK, this all makes total sense now. And this is actually a much better film than I originally kind of uh, uh, thought when I when I first saw it and when I saw it this time. So I'm going to come in on a two point five on this one. I 
I don't think it's it's definitely not the it, it's definitely not the worst Halloween of the whole franchise. I think there is uh, a few turds out there that definitely stay at the bottom of the list. Um, but <laughs> resurrection. I, think I didn't. Yeah, resurrection's <laughs> down there. But you know, the one thing that it's funny. I always I, I think I always I always think Cody is somebody who brings this up a lot when it comes to movies. But I didn't have a whole lot of fun watching this movie. You know, like I don't think I had like I was having a blast watching a <laughs> no, slasher movie. This, this like movie, it was like it was like eh, okay. This movie so, is pretty. It's pretty um, dry. Two point five. Sorry. No, it's good. You're good. Continue. It's pretty yeah. dry. So I think this this movie is pretty derived of fun. Uh, they don't they don't play that element up at all, and I think they stayed away from it because they may have been comedy writers. Um, well, you don't need comedy to make it fun. I think I'm thinking more like it didn't feel like a roller coaster, a wild ride. A lot of horror movies and slash movies have that where it's like there's momentum, it's picking up, like, oh, what's going to happen? They're getting chased and shit. And it's just kind of this fun ride that you're on and then it's over. And this one didn't really feel like that big of a roller coaster. Like uh, well, it had a few drops, but it wasn't like, eh, it was, I think that it was might whatever. be because I think that might be because when Michael gets off that bus, I mean, it's full throttle from there, in my opinion. As far as him killing, I mean, he doesn't stop once he gets out of that bus. He just starts killing and just doesn't You're stop right. until he the d- end of the he film. Do- he doesn't stop, but there is a lot of movie happening around those kills that I've got to sit through. <laughs> well, and that's just it. It's like, if that's the case and he doesn't stop, why does it feel like he stops? It certainly <laughs> does. It, it feels like everyone takes a takes a breather a lot through this movie. <laughs> Yeah, it does have a good. So it's like it doesn't have that forward. It doesn't feel like a freight train just moving forward and like we're just hit. There's a lot of times you just sit and ponder about you know what could these interrelations all mean to the whole film. When you're being not necessary. (laughs) When you're secretly being controlled by the cult of Thorn, which we'll find out about in Halloween Kills. Yes. You know? He has the mark of thorn. (laughs) Oh, man. All right, guys. Well, that is our show. We hope that you have a happy Halloween. We want to wish you the happiest Halloweens. We hope that you guys are all happy and healthy. And uh, you know what? Just remember, if you're going to join a cult, make sure they watch good movies. We'll see you next time.